stop. It never rains at Austin Stadium. Hey, happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to It Never Rains, a podcast about the Oregon Ducks, and we are in the middle of basketball season now, so this is probably be a bit of a basketball-heavy podcast moving forward for the next couple months. I'm Tyson Alger here. I am joined by Aaron Fentress. How you doing, my man? <laughs> Sounds like you had to think about that for a second. I'm joined by, uh, who's with me today? Well, I was trying to think of, like, in the, in, in the, in the realm of uh, anybody that I could have on this show, it's, uh, it's pretty much just you wow. and... Uh, and you in it, it, you know, it ex- excited me. It's, 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 it's early this morning. <sighs> me and Griffey, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm still waiting on Cameron to book us Ken Griffey, and uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll see if he can exercise those powers anytime soon. Uh, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty well. This is uh, a uh, this uh, it's a weird week. Yeah, I was about, I was about, I was about to say like this week is kind of taken. Um, Obviously, a, a much different turn than I think uh, anybody anticipated with uh, with the death of Kobe Bryant, and I, I think that um, you know not only does that overhang nationally, as, as you've seen with uh, the, the TV broadcasts and the tributes on uh, at NBA games, and and you know this was a big topic at the Super Bowl, but um, it's obviously something that hits home at Oregon as well too, with uh, you know some of the relationships that he had at the university and, and Nike and everything, and so. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, uh, definitely uh, an, an odd week and, and one, one of the more kind of uh, odd sports weeks that I've experienced uh, um, ever, I think. Yeah, I, I, I spent some time and I saw other people on TV spending some time trying to think of like, you know, the equivalents um, in, in sports history. And it's tough. Like there's been some people who have passed away, obviously – younger while they're still playing but no one really on the level of what kobe was uh and then the way it happened you know it's one thing the you know if a disease comes along or you know whatever but something as just like sudden as that and it's it's a i mean i hate to say it's unprecedented because i have to like literally think about it but no one that i've watched or listened to has come up with anything close to it and then what, what fascinates me about things like this is that like i sat there and i thought why like why do so many people feel so connected to something or someone that they've never met and it's just a, it's always been a bizarre thing even when michael jackson died like i was a wreck for like 3 weeks why i never met the guy I listened to his music it's just it's a, it's weird how people can through some through their activity through something that entertains us can then almost be viewed as a close friend or family right. member right so i you I, mourn them like it's just bizarre I, I think for me, like one of the things is because I, I grew up in kind of the Kobe era, like when I was uh, in middle school, high school, like Kobe was, uh, you know, it was the ta- uh, his era kind of transition into the LeBron era. And he was probably during, you know, my formative years, probably the most famous athlete on the planet. I mean, he that that's right when the Internet was coming along. So they had all his like YouTube highlights and mixtapes. I mean, he was on Sports Center. I mean, the, the Lakers of the 2000s were the, the most famous team in probably the world at the time. And so I think, um, you know, kind of what you were touching on of just like how, how you can impact. So, I mean, have an effect on so many people. Well, I mean, I, there probably wasn't a day that I went by when I was younger where you just didn't see Kobe's face somewhere. And, you know, and it was right. always in, in such a, uh, kind of a youthful, um, you know, dominating style of, of, 
of of living that it's it's, it's pretty shocking for for something to to happen um in, in that manner and and one one thing that uh i was was thinking about a couple of days ago and, and Shaq brought it up last night on the inside the nba preview is um it's a, a kind of unprecedented unprecedented in the nba like all all the nba's stars and legends are still alive pretty much outside of wilt chamberlain um you know it's it's a league where you're used to being able to see players get old and reflect on the new generation and welcome them in and kind of serve as old ambassadors and um you just you don't see players in the nba leave early and and so it's it's a pretty kind of drastic and, and shocking week <laughs> that's, that's a good point. I'm, I'm I'm trying to rack my brain right now, trying to think of anyone who's on the top fifty team, uh, who's on the more. I think they did a top seventy five team. I can't think of anyone who passed away, you know, young like that. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. And and obviously, where it hits hits with Oregon, um, you saw it on Sunday. Uh, Sabrina Unescu, uh, she had a um, you know quite the relationship with uh, Kobe and his, his daughter Gianna. Um, she looked up to Sabrina as a basketball player, and um, I, I mean it, they they found out probably about thirty minutes before tip of of what was expected to be kind of the the biggest game of the year to date. You know, you're playing you're playing Oregon State in Corvallis. Um, that group of seniors have never won in Corvallis. Um, I, I was at the game Friday night and you could just tell like the focus that they had going into that game and, and being able to, you know, have news like that break right before and then still have to go out there and play. Um, you know, it was, it, I, I wasn't there on Sunday. I, I kind of wish I was in retrospect, but I mean, obviously you had no idea that something like that would happen, but um um, the, the fact that, uh, uh, Sabrina was able to go out there and put not just her, but the whole team, I mean, e everyone in the basketball community was affected by that, but her, especially, um, to be able to go out there and, and, and have a, a game like she did and for Oregon to win that game was, uh, um, you know, probably one of those, those games and a seasons that you're, you're not going to forget for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. She seemed absolutely devastated in the, the video I saw of her. Um, there was some talk, you know, on Twitter, hey, they should just cancel the game. And like, you know, that's easier said than done. I think it's, it's better to play. And I think looking back for her, she'll probably be like, well, you know, I played for Kobe, as she said after the game. Um, but yeah, they, they clearly were impacted and it was, it was, it was sad. It's, I, I'm more sad watching people impacted by right. it than I am sad myself. Cause and, and you made a great <clears throat> point about the generational differences. Like for me, when Walter Payton passed, I was like, I, I remember saying to my wife, he can't like, he can't die. It was just unbelievable to me that he could be dead because he came along when I was seven, <laughs> right? So I followed him from seven through, he retired when I was a, a freshman in the, freshman or sophomore year in college was his final game. So like, those are like the years, like when you're like, oh my God, this is my version of what Griffey was for you and Kobe, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then watching so many people in their reactions, Shaq's reaction the other day was just devastating. Was, and, and then for me, probably what hit more was the whole daddy daughter aspect. Because right. I have a little girl. Well, she's not little anymore. She's 15. But, and she plays basketball. And we always go play basketball together. And then just thinking of it in that context. And that impacted her, too. Like she, she put all that together. And we were in the car driving back. We went over to Sunset Athletic Club and, and did some hoops workouts that day. And, uh, we were driving home and it like, she like put it all together and she like basically started crying in the car and I go, Oh, are you okay? She goes, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. But she totally felt bad for, you know, the girl and, and 
that she was going going somewhere with her dad to play basketball, and it really it really crushed her at that moment. Well, yeah, I I think that's why it's it's kind of a death that's resonated so much because you know it, it can mean a lot for you know the people who are just strict basketball fans and, and love watching Kobe highlights, but you know I, I think people can. Um, you know, take aspects of that and apply them to, to their own relationships. You know, I, I saw a, a lot of the, the, you know, I'm not, I'm not a dad, but I saw the, the, you know, the, the, the girl dad thing it's going around, um, you know, the internet pr pretty uh, heavily right now. And it's, it's, it's impactful. And I think everyone can, you know, that's what we use pro sport, sports for anyways, is to kind of like, uh, you know, relate to things and, and, and being able to, kind of live vicariously through that and uh you know for a, for a dad and daughter to to be gone that quickly it's it's obviously devastating and uh um you know what one of my memories of of Kobe was it was at the final four when Oregon went there and I you know I obviously didn't meet him but we we got to talk to the Ducks the day after Kobe I mean a little bit after yeah, a little that. bit after Kobe showed up and like man, you could just tell like something that special had happened for those players. And you can go back and watch the video of, of Jordan Bell getting up to get jumping out of his seat to go shake his hand and everything. Like, you know, that, that guy had pro you know, probably more impact of showing up into a room with basketball players than anybody other than probably Jordan. Now, you know, he's just kind of had that, that sort of uh, uh, impact on, on, on this generation. So, um, yeah, I, I remember that they were so awestruck. You know, all of them. It was, it was so it was so cute. Like <laughs> as I get older, it, it goes from being cool to being being cute because I look at more as kids, right? Uh, which is a, one of the disconnects I think I have with some of the fans is that I don't I don't adore or worship these. Like they're little kids to me because I have a son older than every last duck player. Um, but they were just so cute. Like I remember um, Dorsey especially just had this grin on his face. Like oh my god, I. I met Kobe Bryant. Like, how did that happen? What's what's happening? Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, another aspect of this too uh, is um, the father, mother, and sister of former Alta Oregon Bellies. baseball player yeah. JJ Altabelli passed away. And when it was when they mentioned that name, I was like, "How do I know that name? Right. Like, I know that name." And then someone said, "Oh, he his son played baseball." And then I remember, "Oh my God, I covered the I covered the guy. He played on the early teams that were pretty successful." Yeah, he was an um, awesome shortstop for them. Yeah, and on those teams that just dinked and not dinked and dunked uh, a small ball their way. Um, not small ball. What am I looking for? Horton ball. <laughs> Horton ball. Is it small ball? What, what do yes, they call them? Yes, I forget. Yes, like just small balls, right? Yeah. Okay. Small ball. Um, Small ball away, and he was, you know, one of the reasons they were able to pull that off was because of the defense, and he was a really good uh, a defensive player. And um, I was just like, man, it's just, you know, six degrees of separation is one of the more fascinating things to me because it's so true. And there's a situation where, you know, everyone associated with Oregon, you know, was basically, you know, two degrees of separation away from that tragedy right. through Altabelli or through Sabrina or what have you. And I'm sure there's connections like that all over the world, but that's, you know, that's a sad, a sad loss for uh, a, um, a, a, you know, lifelong member of the Oregon sports community. Most, mo <clears throat> uh, most definitely. Um, well, you know, sports, sports still did happen this week. Um, it was, it was a good week for both basketball teams. Oregon, Oregon ended up sweeping Oregon state. Um, their first win in Corvallis in, in the Sabrina era, it kind of asserts them back as, uh, 
uh, kind of the dominant force in the Pac-12, especially coming after off of that win against Stanford uh, uh, two weeks ago. And uh, uh, the men's team's back on track, too, with a, a pair of wins down uh, or be- beating the, the SoCal teams. They, they look awfully impressive and, and just kind of thumping uh, UCLA. UCLA is not the best team in the conference, but, you know, it's it's nice to see a team beat a team that they should by a lot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like it's, we're, we are here through January, a, a month that can kind of like sneak up and, and surprise, surprise some contenders in the league and uh, Oregon's. Oregon's looking pretty good on both sides of the hardwood here. Were you surprised that Oregon State women didn't put up a better fight in both those games? I mean, they weren't uh, route routes, but yeah, I, w- I, w- it's it, it's hard for me to gauge because I didn't, I, I haven't watched, you know, kind of like all four years of that series, but like it, it just, it just felt like that. Um, it just felt like the Oregon State didn't have the talent to keep up with some of Oregon's athletes. I mean, obviously Sabrina's. Uh, something else but like the the way that like ruthie hebert was able to like kind of contend with uh you know uh oregon state has a pair of like it has a six six and a six four player in the post and i thought oregon played well in there and, and i you know it just it just felt like when you have a team that has like that good of star athletes that really want to win that game uh and that's not to say that oregon state didn't want to win that game and they have they have a good team too but i just it just kind of felt like it was their year for it you know <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I, no, I, I, no, I, I agree. I, I, sometimes you get caught up in the rankings, especially like I don't. I'm not going to claim to follow women's college basketball that closely. I mean, I, UConn don't they win it every year? And before that, <laughs> Tennessee did they win it every year? Like that's pretty much my extensive knowledge of women's basketball. So when I look at the rankings and I see two teams ranked close together, I expect you know I'm waiting for a buzzer beater. Um, and so Oregon, but yeah, Oregon was just a step above, clearly, and um, they're just a little bit more athletic, like you said. The uh, plus Sabrina seems like she's on a mission. So yeah, it was, it was uh, Friday night. The game in Eugene was honestly it was it was one of the most crazy basketball atmospheres I've ever been a part of in in since I've started covering Oregon. I mean, it was sold out. Fans were in their seats about ten minutes before the game started. Which, if you've been to one of the men's basketball games. They do sell out from time to time, but it's it's kind of a, a an LA type of late arriving crowd. Um, it, it, it was sold out. Oh, from really? The, <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, sold out I from the start. That the fans were were going crazy on every play, and then Sabrina's just got such a you know a, a lot of these great athletes have this is just like a flair for the dramatic and being able to hit like a pair of buzzer beaters where everyone knows that she's going to be shooting the ball. And uh, and then to have, you know, a, a game like she did, um, it's just uh, I, I think that she's she's the most marketable, famous, talented athlete that Oregon has under its umbrella right now. Um, and tickets for that game, in some cases, were selling for in the hundreds of dollars. And uh, yeah, it's, she, Sabrina's the hottest ticket in, U, in Eugene right now. And, you know, Oregon's got two more months of her. So so certainly enjoy. <laughs> <coughs> Get an NBA expan or WNBA expansion team. Give them the number one pick. Let them pick Sabrina, and you could uh, you could have something that could you, work. You, in you think the WNBA would work in Portland? Uh, I don't know. I it, it came once. It was around for a couple right. of years, and then it went away. Um, there was a, a when was that? women's league that had it. Yeah, that was in the early uh, late wait early two thousands. I think, or late nineties, early two thousands, two thousand through two thousand two, yeah, yeah, early two thousands. Um, 
And I don't think any of the teams really make money. They're subsidized by the NBA team in town, aren't they? I, I, have, sort of the deal? I have no idea. On that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but actually, I got into this with someone on Twitter about this, and they got all offended that I even had the nerve to say that I didn't think it would necessarily work. It was bizarre. It turned into this dumb conversation about, I don't know, it's just weird. But my point was, and these are people who never lived in Portland, my point was that fringe sports leagues – whether it be women's basketball, lacrosse, indoor soccer, indoor football. There's been three different indoor football teams in Portland. Um, the minor league teams, the, the Beavers, the, the Rockies, single A team that was here for a while, you know, on and on and on, never hit here. And the reason is because this town has never wanted to be a, oh, you won't give us another major pro sports team, but we'll just accept arena football. No, we don't want that. We want the NFL. Right. And I think this is the NFL town. They don't want arena football. And so my thing was that I just, they, they've never worked. The only the only team you can really say that's worked is the Winterhawks, but that's a little different. Yeah, us, us hockey people are crazy no anyway. Pay- so, yeah. <laughs> well, there's no payroll. Right. <clears throat> what, well, what, well, what are they paying those kids? They're paying them something. It, but it, what it's is, just like a, it's just like a stipend, yeah. Yeah, it's pennies. Now, soccer has worked. Um, so so the, so that's that's where I think okay so the last NBA team here folded in in 2002 um, so this is nearly nearly 20 years later and and you've seen Portland work as a, a women a major women's sports market I mean the the Portland Thorns right. put 20,000 in that stadium and obviously they're not playing as often as a WNBA team would work but. Um, you know, I think between the success that you've seen of the attendance at the the, um, uh, the Thorns games mixed with, uh, you know, the Ducks and women's basketball program, like if if you were to do an expansion and you could just somehow gift wrap them and give them Sabrina, I think it would completely work. But, you know, I think that's also how kind of fickle the league can be is if, if you don't necessarily have that star right out of the gate, you're probably going to struggle. But right, also, these exactly. are two these are two people who don't really know what we're talking about, <laughs> talking about with the WNBA. So. <laughs> I I don't know. And the the other thing is, there's a difference between succeeding and drawing fans. Because when I covered the the lacrosse, the lumberjacks, they were a professional lacrosse team. They were here, I think, two or three years. Um, they actually drew like eight to nine thousand. But did they really? How many of those tickets were giveaways? Yeah, yeah. But how many of those tickets were giveaways? And then. Were they but were they getting advertising dollars on top of that? And it was the same thing with the Force Dragons in um, Arena Football. They actually drew, but again, there's drawing and then there's getting paying customers. Who's actually are they paying or just coming? And then are you able to get advertising on top of that and sponsorships and things like that? So I don't know. I mean, I would I would love to see it. I'd love to take my daughter to those games. That'd be fun. I'm not against the idea. Um, I just had my reservations just because of the history of those types of sports leagues in this town has not been very favorable. It all comes down to this, Super Bowl 54. Who's going to be hoisting the trophy and spraying champagne when it's all said and done? I think it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, their season will end on a winning note, and your scan too. This is your last chance to play fantasy football till next season with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. It's simple. Just draft six players from Super Bowl 54, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. 
Get in on Super Bowl 54 action. Download the DraftKings app now and enter code RUN during sign-up. For a limited time, all new users will get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code RUN, R-U-N, and get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, uh, switching gears just slightly. Um... There's, there's been a bit of kind of picking up talk the last couple of weeks um, with his continued strong play that uh, Peyton Pritchard is, uh, uh, you know, it, it felt like, especially coming into this season, it was very much like, ah, you know, he'll probably be playing in Europe somewhere. He works really hard, but, you know, it, it might not happen to, it, it seems like there's a, there's a growing sense that Peyton Pritchard is going to find his way on an NBA roster. Um, he, he's been playing out of his mind the last, let's see here. <laughs> He had 29 against ASU, 22 Washington State, 22 Washington, including the buzzer beater. I mean, the the long heave, 24 against uh, USC, and he only he only had a paltry uh, 19 in the 20 point win over UCLA, but that was with six assists and five rebounds. Uh, he's gotten his three percentage up to 40 41 percent, which is huge for him after only shooting shooting 33 last year. Um, He's not. He's not a guy that I'd bet against. I, you know, I, I think it's a cliche to say that like this guy's one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. But um, Peyton Pritchard lives and breathes this stuff, and and I, I could definitely see him at least grinding his way on onto a roster at some point. What What do you think? Yeah, I, his first two years, I was like, I didn't see it. Uh, last year, the first eighty percent of it, yeah, I was like, what is? I, I was actually like, what is going on right. with this guy? Because I thought he was so much better than that. And then he picked it up late in the year, and he's been on that ride since. And then you look at him this year, and I, I'm like, I have like no doubts he'd make an NBA roster. I don't think he's a future star. I don't think he's a necessarily a future full time starter on a good team. Um, but I, he, I can't imagine he wouldn't make a roster and be around for at least a couple years. Maybe it's a, a Dan Dickow thing. Um, or maybe it's being you know even more than that. Uh, Dorsey Dorsey was stuck around for a couple of years. Dylan Brooks has, obviously has blossomed to a good role player, but but Dylan, I believe Dylan had a chance from day one just because he was. I called him a poor man's Grant Hill. But yeah, no, I I absolutely <laughs> I absolutely believe that uh, he uh, he's definitely going to have a, a great chance to make a team. Maybe get drafted in the second round or so. Yeah, and and, and he certainly benefited too from just uh, kind of the evolution of the NBA. It's it's a more outside game, and I, you know I think people will think that Pritchard is. Um, you know, he, he, he's not a, an elite three point shooter, but he definitely has that in his, in his uh, repertoire and his ability to get to the hoop. Those, those are the two things that you want in the NBA. This guy, you want a guy who can be able to shoot a three and you want a guy that can be able to get to the, get to the glass. And, um, he does both those pretty well. Uh, I don't, I don't know how he would be, uh, how his, uh, defense holds up on, on that level, but yeah, that's overrated anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah, because my defense, yeah, that's the thing. That's why he, that's why he probably can't start for you because, you know he's gonna go up against what is he, is he six, he's six two six right? two yeah, six two you know if he he gets matched up against a six foot four point guard that's way more athletic he's gonna get just destroyed but if he's coming off the bench in, in certain positions and he plays smart ball and distributes it well and when he's wide open he knocks down that three he's gonna make plays plus you know we can say he's not athletic enough to to hang with NBA point guards which he isn't in my estimation but. 
He played for a coach for four years who stressed defense. So at the very least, he's going in with a defensive mindset in place and um, a skill set and a training that's going to help him at least not completely drown, I believe. Well, I, I think that's that's what will keep him in the league longer than like a player like Dorsey. Uh, Dorsey, who rode like a really hot streak in into the NBA um, and then was out after what Dorsey played two seasons. Um, yeah. I mean, Pr- Pritchard, <laughs> Pritchard's got when it's all said and done, he's going to have nearly uh, nearly 200 bas- college basketball games under under his belt. Um, you know, he's, he, he's seasoned. He, I, I think he'll be able to, to, to catch on pretty quickly. Um, again, like you, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's got starter potential, but uh, you know, he could be a, a, a contributing sixth, seventh guy. And granted, you know, this kid's done a pretty good job of proving people wrong throughout his career too. So, um, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't bet against him here. <laughs> Agreed. Who do you got for the Super Bowl? <sighs> you're you're, the, you're our resident NFL expert here. Um, you've you've made me thousands um, of dollars with your betting tips. This wait, never mind. No, you haven't. Wait, what? Wait, my percentage. No. Um, uh, I, I'm leading San Francisco because of their run game and their defense, and that they have the type of pass rush that could make life at least uncomfortable for Mahomes. And if you look back at Super Bowl history. The quarterbacks that have gone into the Super Bowl <clears throat> with this, you know, with these high-powered offenses where they throw it all over the place have not done well for the most part. Marino in 84 set the NFL record, 5,000 yards, 48 touchdowns, 49ers destroyed him. Uh, Brady, they went undefeated. He, he set records that year, passing with Randy Moss and Welker, went in the Super Bowl, and Giants four-man pass rush, covered with seven, held them to 14 points. It was crazy. I think they averaged 37 to 36 a game that year, whatever, held the 14 in the Super Bowl. Um, Just recently, uh, not six or seven years ago now, uh, Peyton Manning set the record for touchdown passes with 55 uh, for that Denver team, went into New York to play the Seahawks and got completely hammered. They got they got made to look like an FCS school against Oregon. It was crazy, and they scored more points than anyone in history. Um, now you can go to the greatest show on turf, the, the Rams. They they produced in the Super Bowl, but offensively they got shut down by the Titans pretty much compared to what they did in the regular season. They won the game though, so it's like you look at it on paper like this is the type of game where the defensive team rises up and smacks the offensive team after two weeks of preparation, and that's what history has taught us. So I'm gonna roll with San Francisco. That uh that 13 Seahawks win is one of the crazier Super Bowls I remember just because I don't remember anything other anything from it other than like the the first uh, fumble safety because like it was just this this big into the snap yeah safety. it was just this big in, it was this big anticipated yeah. matchup you got you got Peyton Manning come in here after this crazy season this this high powered Denver offense and then the Seahawks just whooped them like I, I don't remember like any plays from that game other than just like oh man this is after the first I mean it was done after the first quarter wasn't it it was I was so I was so mad I was so looking forward to that game I was I, I was covering that game. I was so looking forward to it. And I'm just like sitting there in the first quarter, early second quarter. I'm like, it's freezing too. I had auxiliary seating, so I wasn't in the press box. It was cold. And I was just like, this is some BS, man. <laughs> I was mad at the, I was mad to be in the Super Bowl. I was like, Peyton, you suck. Um, but what, what was crazy too is it's not like like Seattle's defense obviously was really good. It's one of the best defenses, Legions of Boob ever, blah, blah, blah. But they barely made it to the Super Bowl. They they Kaepernick put up a fight with the 49ers, and if it wasn't for that tip pass. San Francisco would have been in that Super Bowl. So it's not like 
they had been just squishing opposing offenses like my 85 Bears did when they shut out two teams on the way to the Super Bowl. And then to do that to Denver, like Denver just didn't show up. And I, I think there was, a, there was a moment in that game where Wes Welker went wearing one of those little shallow crosses or something and, and Cam Chancellor just laid him out. And I think they just were like, you know what? These guys are coming to hit. We don't want any parts of this. They kind of <laughs> quit. I hate to use the word quit for pro athletes, but that, that team quit. It was such a crazy result as, as someone like me who's uh, – I, I like the Mariners. I like the Seahawks. Um, fans in the Seattle market haven't ever like ha- haven't ever had a team win a championship really since uh, the Sonics did it back back in the seventies. And so it's like all this build up, and you know, <clears throat> in, in your mind, you're imagining it as like, oh, this is going to be this great game, and and maybe we'll have to come from behind and do this and do this and do this, and and then you're just up by like thirty after the first, and it's like, oh man. It's a letdown, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. You know, you're you're expecting yeah, like these. No, it is. I, <laughs> like. I experienced the same thing with the 85 Bears. I wanted them to play Miami and Marino because Miami was the only team that had beaten the Bears that year. So I wanted I wanted revenge. I want to squish, you know, squish that damn Marino into the turf. And then they get the Patriots. And it's like, like second quarter, I'm like, this is so anticlimactic. Because as a fan, you're like waiting so long for your team to win it, and it's the grind, and then you get there, and it's over second quarter. It had a weird anticlimactic feel to it. Even Walter Payton said that too, because after the game, he was just like, "Yeah, we won, yay!" People were like, "What's wrong?" Well, it was over like second quarter. There was no buildup to it. It shouldn't be that easy. And I think the same thing happened with Seattle. And it's funny you express that because you expect something when you want something so bad for your team, and it's been such a long climb. Part of the excitement is watching them overcome. And when they don't have to overcome anything, <laughs> it's kind of like, eh. Okay, and then, and then it's just the day. second quarter and you realize you're still about to spend 50 more dollars at the Buffalo Wild Wings you're at. And it's just. Exactly. It's just, <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, but anyway, that's funny. Well, yeah, it will be, it'll be, we, we, t- we talked about this a little bit last week, but it'll be fun to watch uh, a, a few former Ducks playing in this game. Uh, I mean, DeForest and Eric both play substantial roles on the, on the Niners. Um, looking to become the first who's the last was joe walker the last duck to win a super bowl or i guess patrick patrick chung yeah chung and no barner well barner was on the uh barner was on that eagles team with walker right right and that was uh, two years ago right the patriot and the, the, yeah, the, and the last patriots year, won it last year i don't right patriots last year's super bowl sucked well. i'm just hoping for a better game than than last year's one last year's yeah. and yeah, last year's was yeah. Not only was it, it was like a low scoring blowout. It was thirteen three, but it felt like thirty five to ten or something. Uh, but that, that Rams team was loaded with people from the state of Oregon. Um, right, I think they had six guys with Oregon connections. Something like that. Oh, yeah, you had, you, had, you had Johnny Munt on there. Johnny Munt, Troy Hill from Oregon, um, uh, Mannion from Oregon State, and Dominican Sue from Grand High School, and. Uh, Ekubon from Ekubon from uh, David Douglas High School, and there's one other one I can't remember right now, uh, but they got smashed, so it wasn't good for the Oregon connection that day. It wasn't. Uh, but these right. are the two big. But these are the two bigger stars that I can think of in a Super Bowl setting. I mean, if like, uh, where they're actually there's star power there from Oregon. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at DeForest, he he's. Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, taken in the first round, right. um, and here for I mean, I mean, obviously Bosa's a, a a beast on that line, but DeForest is just as important of a figure on there. So, um, yeah, yeah, that that, that that will certain certainly be cool to watch. I'm pulling for him. 
All right. What do you got going the rest of the week? So I just spent off and on the last couple of weeks and then really grinding the last two weeks doing this really extensive self-indulgent retrospective on the past 10 years <laughs> of Oregon football. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, but I did like, you know, the typical stuff, but I, I did other things too. And there's videos in there and it's, it's, uh, it's kind of long. I've got, um, <laughs> the editor's probably, you're really, the editor, you're really, you're really probably, selling it, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm worried about the editor because he hasn't gotten back to me yet. He's probably like, damn, Fentress, you wrote a novel on this crap. Um, but no, if, if you're, you know, if you're a duck football fan and you know, the past decade was the most, uh, you know, successful ever. I covered the, I covered most of it. I think I figured out I covered 101 out of 130 something games, or whatever, something like that. Um, and so I kind of, it's just, it's just my, it's just like a, a, a personal view from someone who covered the decade, their favorite instances, moments, teams, players, is, uh, um, things is, like that. Is the headline going to be like 10 years of me colon a walk through the past decade with Aaron Ventures? Actually, my headline right now is "Design of a Decade." Oh God! <laughs> a, a, an, or, an, an Oregon writer's self-indulgent review of the past ten years. Uh, I don't know if that'll uh, last or not, but I thought "Decade" was kind of cute. "Decade, Decade," get it? So, so that, that humor me. Yeah. Get it? Yeah, I got it. I got okay, it. thank you. <laughs> okay, so that will be dropping soon. Uh, we, we are a week <laughs> today or tomorrow. We, we are a, a week uh, a week away from uh, signing day. So next week we'll be back on here. We'll have a, a, a second signing day break. Is that next That's week? Next week, baby. Um, <sighs> who who else they got coming? Do we know? Is there anyone else? Maybe we'll have to save it for the pod next week, Aaron. This is called a tease. You, that's because you don't know either. This, You're going. This is called a tease. This is called a tease, which is smart radio, smart podcasting. We will see you next week on It Never Ends.